Got all your notes? I got, I, a, I got no notes. I got a dog. We don't need notes because we got Danny here, Danny Romano, the 2023 last year standing. The finisher. The Danny, finisher. Danny Romano. Yeah. So congrats, Danny. Thanks for making the time to, to chat and follow up because uh, the way things ended, we all felt like zombies and sort of just drifted off um, on our own separate way. Yeah. I, I uh, slept through the whole thing. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks guys for having me on here. Um, yeah, definitely was not in even a word to, in a state to make a statement at the end of the, at the end of the uh, event. I think Andrew asked me for a statement and I was like, I have no clue what to say. I rambled something for like a minute or so. And then, uh, I think we went to bed. Yeah. I think we can summarize the end of it was you were just outwardly looking good and fresh for as fresh as you could be for, um, oh, you know, getting in the third night on the, on that, like, yeah, butting up against Monday. But, um, you said that you were starting to like hallucinate, but you're, you're, you were climbing fine and the skiing was fun. So that sounds like a good time. What, uh, what were you experiencing in those last, those last laps? Yeah. So I think it was like lap 60 or so. I was really just in my own like headlamp, uh, tunnel, I would say where my headlamp was on like a low setting and I was just going up, uh, probably as fast as I was able to at that time. I, and, uh, everything just, I just kind of felt like I was like a little bit half asleep and I wasn't sure if I was dreaming the whole event at that point. Cause I was like, who would ever do 60 laps this doesn't make sense like this like there's no reason for anyone to put the subject themselves to this um so i was just kind of going up and just trying to figure out what the heck was going on if i had just fallen asleep like at the last rest and just not woken up um so i got to the top and i think i said to you andrew that i was like i'm kind of having a crisis right now and you just started live streaming it to instagram uh, <laughs> but I think the next lap after that, I think Zach, uh, was with Zach McCarthy was with me and kind of, uh, was talking to me. So having some human interaction on that lap and being less isolated definitely helped a lot. Um, but yeah, it was definitely hallucinating basically anything on the side of the trail. that wasn't smooth snow looked like something else. It's kind of like how you look at this, uh, the sky and you'll see like a shape. It's like, Oh, that looks like a face or that looks like a boat. You'd look at the side of the of the trail. You'd see like a rock covered in snow. And be like, why are people putting tents over there? It doesn't make sense. Or uh, I thought there was like a pile of trash on the side of the side of the trailer, like um, like race flags and stuff, like markers. They were just like piled together. And I would get closer and be like, nope, that's just snow. Um, I, it kind of started to happen to me about forty eight hours in. It was fine during the day, but then once the night hit again, it was um, much more noticeable. I'd say it was kind of a cool experience because I knew that it was going to happen and it wasn't, it wasn't like it was scary, but it was like, you're just kind of seeing things and like seeing what your brain like do, uh, does when it's like on low on processing power. She's like, Oh, this looks enough like this. This is the first thing that comes to my mind. I'll just put this out here. Um, so it was, it was, it was pretty cool. Pretty, it was pretty weird. Um, I would definitely say it got weird on the third night, but it was definitely, Pretty cool. I noticed that every time on the uh, ascents, if I let my heart rate dip below like 130, I would start to fall asleep and like fall over. So I just kept the pace a little faster on those. And I 
figured as long as I could keep my heart rate up and just keep moving quicker, I wouldn't f- feel too bad. Um, but let, and let's, I- let's, let's, <clears throat> let's call bullshit at this point. You went, <laughs> you went, you have a reason, every reason under the book, your flow chart is go faster. Pretty much. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I didn't want to get cold. So I go faster. Oh, I want to change my boots. So I went faster. Everything is like burn up and people at a certain point at the end, you know, you'd go out and you do the, the coat rip and which was stellar. It was on point the entire time, but people were like, well, well, doesn't he want to talk? Doesn't he want like interaction with Brent? I'm like, he does, but his, their pace is just different. You know, you, yeah. your, your natural pace is like four or five minutes quicker. Like we talked about in like lap 59, the, we were, the potential cash lap. You're like, well, what do I do? Just send him out four minutes ahead. I'm like, I don't know what the, you know, I don't know where the four minutes is. Is it in transition? Is it wherever? But, you know, and plus, I don't really want you guys racing down. You know, <laughs> I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um no, I, I think it was with I, like I would definitely think I did about forty laps with Brent. We were the same pace for the first like two days, almost completely. Then I think he started to slow down a little, and I was just trying to keep stuff consistent because just seemed to work better for me. And just having that little bit of rest, there were definitely laps like I think it was like lap fifty, whatever lap Rich quit on. Um, I was feeling really terrible, and I don't think I was like thinking about just dropping at that point. Uh, like I had, my calf was cramping up and my arch on my right foot was like killing me and eventually went away on that lap. But there was definitely a point in that lap and the lap before where I was like, my legs feel awful. I don't know if I can keep doing this, but then I took a little bit of a rest with my feet up and I felt like I could keep going. And I figured that would probably keep going until my feet hurt so bad that I couldn't stand. And uh, that was my plan going forward. Yeah, it was funny. The The next morning when you and Brent were talking and showing each other, I was like, oh, yeah, Brent's boots, uh, his strap snapped. And you're like, yeah, I, I bore through the, the liner on my boots. It was but you were like, I thought you said your feet didn't hurt. You're like, well, you said your feet didn't hurt. Well, and then you're both talking about like and then the, the kimonos open. You're like, oh, I was dying. Like, I wanted to stop at this point and that, and that point. But it's the it's not gamesmanship, but it's just like you have to, in order to keep on going, you have to tell yourself it's not that bad. I think it's kind of a combination of gamesmanship and telling yourself it's not that bad. I mean, there were definitely like, I think we both wanted to end, but neither of us wanted to be the one that called it. Like I kept, I think I told Andrew a couple of times, I don't have a good reason to quit. So I can't quit. Like I think after like, 40 hours, it probably stops being, once you've seen an entirety of a day twice uh, consecutively while you're skiing, you've seen pretty much everything you need to see. Um, I think the morale was boosted. I mean, my morale was boosted when Ben dropped because uh, because Ben's crazy and I just thought he was going to go forever. Um, but And then they groomed and they did a great job with grooming that night. And the snow was actually really good. So then you're actually like, oh, I can actually ski right now as opposed to just power slide down. Hope you don't hit like really awful snow. Um, so I think having like little, little wins that you can focus on really help just get through each lap. 
Was there a part of the course that you liked better than other parts? Was there like, did you like the beginning, the the middle, the, the transition, the ski down? What was your? So I I really liked the uh, the cross country loop at the beginning, but only because my skins were gliding way too well. I felt like I was Nordic skiing on them, and um, it was just kind of fun to just practice the glide. That like I would never practice like gliding on a flat if I was just normally ski touring. Um, but that gave me a little bit of practice every lap. And then I was always rewarded with the, uh, with the puffy handoff, which was just pretty fun. And just like everyone thought it was hilarious. Um, so we kept doing that every lap, big shout out to Will for that. Um, and, uh, I think there was definitely the daytime laps were way worse than the nighttime laps in terms of skinning. Uh, cause you had to sit to the left of the trail and the trails were not in great shape there's like uh, a bunch of like little death cookies everywhere that you just had to like stomp down to get grip so that made skinning really hard during the day at night you could kind of like I was doing a lot of switchbacks across the um, course a little bit just to keep the angle more at what my legs were feeling so kind of like kick turns but I was just cheating and doing the AVA turn or whatever it is um, and <laughs> And, you're, uh, you're getting too technical for us i'll, I'll not uh, all right i'll uh, take it back step technically. Talk, talk to me like i'm a small child or a dog basically i would make the hill less deep by going back and forth across yeah we call that and, the paper boy all right we i was doing the i was doing the paper boy once I, my legs were feeling it and uh that definitely helped i think um because during the day it was just really hard to skin um at night, the snow got worse generally for skiing, but skiing down is two minutes, maybe is or two or three minutes of the whole course. Um, the last little bit of open groomer at the end was always fun to just carve down because it was actually good snow there. Um, the bridge was always kind of terrible to ski, but you would never fall asleep on it because you're just like, I have to make my way down and across this. It was just like a sheet of ice. Um, there was really just like stay on the edge and just point and kind of hope like reel the berm something yeah not really like reeling a berm but it was just like you just got to really just like it was it was i don't know how to describe it it was just that really like icy like it was pure boilerplate for a stretch of about like 60 feet on the bridge and a little bit off the bridge and the groomers would do what they could to like move snow around but ultimately it was just like a, a, it was an ice rink yeah it was just it was just the ice rink and it was it was kind of like the narrow tra- it was narrow and ice rink bad cover in the middle of it and you just had to just try to make it through without um i mean it was easy enough to make it through but it was just not enjoyable skiing ski to make turns we ski don't ski to just point ourselves down a mountain on ice and just hope i guess so what do you think coming into this I mean, so so this is the thing. I again know nothing about this. Andrew called you out in the was it the Out of Bounds podcast, mm-hmm. you know. And then I was talking to Mary. You know, Mary, Mary Harris. Yeah. yeah. And Mary's like, yeah, he's really quick. He does uh, Wachusett. Is that your home mountain? Yeah, Wachusett's our Wednesday morning. Yeah, he's like, and he does six laps before the chairs turn. I've only done three, so he passes me like three times. He's like. He's going to kill it. And I was like, oh, this is not good. 
I mean, was that, is it, but that, is that your, would that be your normal thing? Or did you just want to get like, like mega basin before this, or is that your normal routine? Oh, I didn't train for this, uh, explicitly. I was trying to train for schemo. Um, I was actually sick basically on and off from October or end of October, mid, mid or end of October until like middle of December. Um, maybe had like a week or two that I didn't, that I wasn't like actually sick to the point where I wasn't really training. Um, then I was finally able, I've finally been healthy for like what, eight weeks now. Um, and I've just been trying to, I've been getting, I was still getting like skiing in getting base in, but I wasn't really doing any real workouts. Normally I'll do intervals at least once a week and then something else harder, uh, on the weekend on skis. Um, but that's generally for like the shorter form schema races where at most will be four hours in a team's race or something. Um, so for this, I didn't really know what to do in terms of training. Uh, I did a lot more biking this summer and longer rides because you can get more hours than on a bike than you can running. Um, but I didn't really do a ton of like very specific, like I wasn't practicing cat naps. I wasn't practicing like 48 hours in a row. Um, I just kind of figured just go out there and see what happens and not let myself quit before say 48 hours. Um, and at that point, uh, I was in a good, I was in a good spot to just keep going. I felt, I felt like. And how do you feel with nutrition? You, you'd see, you seem like you came in, like you had like things dialed. Like you knew, felt, you knew what you wanted. Yeah. I think uh, nutrition is the hardest part or one of the hardest parts. I think staying awake is probably the hardest part um, or just recovery, I guess. But nutrition, I think about I forget when, but I, ha I I was trying to eat a lot at the beginning. Um, I think that kind of ended up going well until it didn't. I think I probably ate too much. I had a burger at one point and it just didn't sit well. And then the next like six laps, I couldn't eat anything. I could barely eat anything. Um, so Will was like force feeding me uh, scratch super fuel. And um, I was just trying to drink as many calories as I could between laps and just not feel terrible. Um, but I would try to keep it pretty consistent. I think by, uh, doing a lot of long bike rides kind of helps with the nutrition part of it. Um, so every lap at once ago, so there's, we kind of split into two pitches. Um, I think Aiden Crawford was the one that was calling him pitches, but it was steep and it was flat for a little bit. Then it, it like got a little steeper after that. And on that flat section, um, I would try to eat something pretty much every lap. So that when I got down, I would try to eat something else, but I'd also have time to just not focus on eating because you're not skinning fast enough that you need to like actually slow down to eat. You're just kind of more or less walking maybe a little quickly up the hill. Um, so I'd eat a cliff shop block. I think I went through 17 of the like packages of the uh, water salted watermelon. Oh, cliff in Mon the house monty's favorite oh. and uh i had a few stinger waffles a few cliff goos um i think i'm sure i ate other things but those those were down oh and i the scratch scratch makes some gummies um that i think are pretty good and i was having i was trying to rotate between those and the shop blocks until i ran out of the scratch gummies then i was just shop blocks and waffles and uh 
I think towards the end, I was not eating as much. Um, I think I saw that the end was kind of coming. Um, but yeah. Have you ever tried the triberry? The triberry. Stop, stop. We're, no, we're not talking about this. <laughs> the, 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 he's talking about the world's worst flavor for a gel made by goo back in the eighties and no one and and no one likes it but no it's interesting hearing what worked for you as far as the nutrition goes we we watch people that miss their nutrition for a lap because they just weren't feeling it or you know something was bothering them and then they bonked and then they were out it was just like instantaneous so if you like i think i think i saw some of that too i think like Mac was killing it. And then I think it looked like all of a sudden she kind of was like, I'm not having, she, she said to Monty, I'm not having fun anymore. And, uh, you're like, do one more lap, do one more lap. And she did another lap. But after that, I think she just was just hitting the wall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I also think I was trying to eat real food as much as I could, but my stomach wasn't always up for it. So Joe Santo made me some ramen the first night, which was great. And, uh, Will would make me like two eggs on a piece of toast and that just seemed to work pretty well. Nice. What, um, I mean, I, this is totally reverse order, but like who's Danny Romano? Like what is your background? I, I met you in the shop. Um, and, and like, I saw your potential. Like, I think like immediately the conversation went to like, what's your 5k PR, but, um, just give, um, give the listeners just like a quick, background on who you are yeah so i grew up uh skiing um from like i was started skiing when i was seven stopped skiing in high school when i started running track uh i ran track through college uh i was a distance guy ran like 3k steeple and 5k um and then after track i wanted to get back into skiing uh so i thought well so i just started skiing as much as i could at the resort and then i realized I kind of want to go uphill because I hate not getting a workout in when I'm skiing. It just seems like a waste of a day because you're just after running in college, it's such a part of your routine to get to do some form of cardio every day. Um, or at least it was mine. And uh, it was one of those things that like when I skied resort, I would ski like 30,000 vertical feet, but you wouldn't feel like you got any cardio and your legs would be tired, but uh, it was just like kind of different. Um, so I was like, I should get into touring did some research online, looked into it. Everyone was saying one thing, walked into the shop and everyone was telling me, no, you want the light gear. It's the best gear. Um, and, uh, basically rented from you guys, uh, like a, maybe a month after that and, uh, bought a touring setup pretty quickly after, and then bought fully bought into racing, like six months after that. It was a pretty clear path. I mean, like, no, I was just saying that like, someone with a running pedigree like you had that has put in like a lot of this hard work it's doesn't like those times that you run like running just over 14 minutes in a 5k don't don't come for free there's like a lot of grinding day in and day out that it takes to get those numbers doesn't matter who you are and i think that that mindset goes into like like you're talking about the training and repetition and kind of filling that void with something that's satisfying and where watching you get into the schema racing, you're like, oh, he's got all the talent. He seems to stay healthy and figure out some of the gear and very like the basics of it, but it's really cool. There's a ton of potential and it's a whole other community, right? And it's um, 
right here in the Northeast. And then you, you start meeting people and traveling and it's, it's a really fun sport. Uh, but this event is far from that sport. It's like, yeah, it's totally, totally physical different. fitness is only one aspect of it. It's certainly not going to hurt you to be, to be coming in, um, the best shape and have all this training, but mentally it seems very punishing and sort of weeds out those that aren't mentally strong and can't find, you know, I'm surprised because you're like, you came at it with the attitude. I can't find a reason to quit or, well, everyone else is like, I can't find a reason to keep going. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know where that, where that comes from. And especially when like those, the first night, I guess you're talking about, you just want it. You had a, you know, big numbers. Like you're like, I can do, I want to see what 48 feels like. How far can I go? But like, who were you, who else were you, like, what were you gauging the competition as like that first night? And were you just feeling competitive that early on? Or were you just trying to take care of yourself? Uh, I was just trying to take care of myself early on. I figured it would shake out as time went on. Um, I think basically I've been, I've basically spent like a week or two at work uh, on a flight test where I probably got average three hours in sleep a night. Um, so I was like, Oh, I can deal with lack of sleep and mental stress. So I, if it's just physical stress, that's easier for me than mental stress. A lot of the time I feel like, um, so I was kind of like, I'll just keep going until I can't. Um, I would, I was also just, um, trying to like keep conversation the first night. I did a bunch of laps with like the first night was, well, as soon as it gets dark, people like kind of stop talking, which is kind of weird. I think it's like a body language thing. Like you can't tell if people want to talk to you or not. Um, so it was good to just do a lot of those laps with Brent who is like, we're friendly enough or friends enough to just like talk the whole time. But there's like people around us. Um, they're like, I don't know if they want to like joke around right now or if they're just like really hurting and they're just gonna not have any of it and just be mad at us for making jokes. But I was I was just joking around a lot. I was trying to be like, hey Brent, do you have any jokes? I'd ask him like every single lap. And uh he, he <laughs> wouldn't have any good ones. But uh it just it just kind of kept going with that, um, just to see where it would go. I thought by the end of the night or the end of like the third night it would, it would probably devolve into something actually funny. So did you didn't hear any good jokes then? Uh, he had one that, that I definitely laughed at, <laughs> but it wasn't super, super memorable. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Brent, that I don't remember that, but uh, I'll try next time. And I was asking, I think I was asking uh, Dana, I told her I was going to ask her for a joke every single lap. I only asked her on two laps, but then after the uh, event, I got a message on Instagram and it was like, and she sent, she sent me a joke. She's like, after 62 laps, I'll, I'll send you, I'll send a joke. Finally. Nice. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> what, um, we got to wrap this up, but like, I don't know. What's your whole takeaway from the event? Um, I think, well, so my take, well, I, I mean, I guess I didn't find my limit, which is kind of, annoying um in some ways but uh i think i think it's a super fun event like i was still enjoying skiing on the last lap um i definitely was ready to go to bed but you just kind of make the most of it um and it was super it was a super cool like to just meet meet a lot of people and just like hang out um i would i think i would like to do the event again um 
I don't know if I'll do it next year. I told Will I would crew for him next year. He's really excited to go for it. And he, I think he's going to train for himself, like to train explicitly for the event next year. I don't know what he's going to do for that. Um, but I think it'll be pretty interesting. Although if Brody does want to come back next year, um, I don't think I'd have a choice but to come back uh, and race just because that would be a real competition. Uh, not that anyone else wasn't real competition. But uh, we both haven't found our limits yet, and it seems like Ben's found his. Um, so we'd have to see who has a better limit at that point. Just round up all the crazies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you so see, you're like, so-and-so is crazy, and this is crazy. You consider yourself totally normal. No, I definitely don't. <laughs> okay. um, I know. I know that I'm crazy. I mean, people make fun of me for skiing basically every day all winter or every day that I can all winter that I'm not working or days that I work too. But, um, and basically most of my day is filled up with like, you know, biking before work, biking after work, running before work, running after work. So people definitely think I'm crazy. I know I'm fairly crazy, but I just do it. I just do it's fun. You seem happy. <laughs> I'd like to think so. And you're in the rest of your winter, you got, a lot more skiing, right? Yeah, um, we have a race at Greylock, I think, next weekend, which will be fun. Uh, I'll be, I mean, I'll be skiing this weekend. I'm not Washington's the plan. Hopefully, there's some snow after the rain on Friday. Um, and then I'm going to Utah. Uh, well, I'm going to the, I'm going to actually race in Al at Alpental in Washington, ski a day of backcountry out in Seattle from Seattle, and then uh, I'm headed to. The powder keg, I forgot to sign up in time to actually race the powder keg, but I'll be volunteering, cheering uh, Ed, Josie, Chris, um, and uh, all the East Coast people on. Um, and I'll be volunteering at the tallest point of the course and get to ski some cool stuff, uh, I think, just out of bounds at Brighton. So that'll be fun. That's awesome. You're cutting, cutting out a nice niche for yourself where uh, you get to mix some business and pleasure. Yeah, I think it's definitely fun to make sure you're not just doing like the one sport and or not just like focused on the sport because you have to compete. I think a lot like a lot of it with like college running or running in general, like I don't really care to race on the roads anymore because it's just it's a more stressful uh, event for me because we just had so much stress in college to just race those things uh, and do well. And I can come, I can run a trail race and be a little more relaxed about it, or I can go and do a schema race, be a little more relaxed about it and still want to do well and still race hard and do well, but it's less high pressure. Um, and they're, they're just super fun. <clears throat> Funny that you mentioned trail race. I don't know about Bubba's. Did you just punch <laughs> a golden ticket to oh, Bubba's? Um, because funny because, well, Brody did back up his skiing with the running thing. Just, he did. I'm just saying. But I did get a stress reaction last year, and I don't know if I want to deal with uh, another one of those. The ground, the ground is very forgiving at Bubba's. It's, a, it's nice and a, soft. You get you a seventy-five percent return of the effort you put in. You only get back seventy-five percent because it's so low. <laughs> so, I'll I'll think about Bubba's. Oh, well, actually, thirty full, right? Wait, wait. Oh, oh, full. You know, there's there's <laughs> we reserve a few spots. You know. Oh yeah. Don't you don't don't worry about getting in. All right, we'll, we'll we'll talk. I'll be at the shop this weekend. Cool. Well, nice. 
thanks for again thanks for chatting it's always fun to hear what the f is going through your minds <laughs> on hour 60 but uh super fun we appreciate it because you know without you guys stringing this along like the event wouldn't be what it is so thanks again enjoy the rest of your winter yeah thanks guys thanks Thank for putting on the event um everyone i think there appreciated it and thanks to the volunteers too see you guys all right Bye. see ya